FMX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tan, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. I knew you were from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is Sunday, November 13th, and we are in the heart of the off-season, unless you are in Paris this weekend, and there is a uh, Paris Supercross going on, and I'm recording this kind of during night two of the racing, so I won't be covering the second portion, uh, but I I, I do want to talk about a little bit of what we saw during the first night of racing and, and some of the conclusions, maybe premature conclusions, but just some thoughts I had on that uh, moving forward. But before we do, let's thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, who Guts Racing is getting into the mountain bike side of things too. Uh, so check out Guts Racing. They have a bunch of new mountain bike, uh, I believe seats specifically that you can... Uh, yeah, you can take a part of it. And if you like motocross, you probably like mountain bikes. There's such a crossover there. And uh, mountain bike is such a huge market right now. It's really taken off over the last few years. So check out Guts Racing. They're just entering that mountain bike side. Plum Creek Funding, we saw a nice little dip in mortgage rates. It was back under six, which is pretty incredible. Uh, and that's just from that inflation read. Uh, bonds, bond yield sold off and that drove mortgage rates down. So if you saw that spike over seven last week and you're like, eh, not buying anything now, uh, it's back under six, which is a wild move. Like this is not normal behavior for mortgage rates to vary this much. Um, I believe it's because of a lack of liquidity and markets are whipsawing all over the place because of that. So you have to be really aware of what's going on and you have to strike when there is opportunity if you're in the market. So reach out to Plum Creek Funding. Zach Morris over there can help you out. Uh, also want to thank Fast Foundry. The team over there can help you with your small small business needs. They work with Fortune 500 companies. If you have a virtual event, if you need help with payroll, they can really do it all. Um, I think they are a more of a solution finder than anything else. Um, and they do a great job for uh, a lot of companies that I know of. And I think there are more applications than you might be thinking of. So reach out to Robert Caracro and the crew over at Fast Foundry. Works Connection, check out that uh, those new Yamaha foot peg mounts. It's gonna change that triangle on that Yamaha. So Chris Kiefer did a lot of testing and development on these new foot peg mounts. It's something they're super excited about. And uh, they should be available, I think, about right now. He was saying sometime in November. So check with Works Connection and see if those are available, if you are, on a Blue Crew. And also, of course, Eli Tomac just ripping hole shots over and over with that Pro Launch start device this weekend in Paris. And if, you, if you've been watching, you notice Tomac was at the front every time. And, of course, like I said, they use that Pro Launch start device from Works Connection. TL Speed Shop. If you are looking for a vacation, you are into side-by-sides, you just want to try something different, 
Maybe you're a corporate planner, like you're in charge and you want to set up some sort of corporate event. TL Speed Shop in Wickenburg, Arizona can dial you in. Jason and Josh down there have everything you need. You can fly into Phoenix. They can take care of everything else, take you on wine tours. They can take you to Baja. They can take you to Sedona. And yeah, just get away from things. And trust me, if it's anything, if your world's like mine, you could use a little bit of escape right now because... Business is tough. Market's tough. Um, you know whether or not you believe the government, uh, we are in a recession, in my opinion. Um, yeah, things just aren't as easy as they were for the last eighteen months. So, TL Speed Shop could be a great way for you and your company, or just your family, to get away and uh, have some fun, check out the scenery, and let them do all the work for you, and you just enjoy it. So, check out TL Speed Shop and ask for Jason and Josh. Grandstone Boots has been with this podcast since the very beginning. Uh, Wyatt Gilmore and the crew over there make some incredible products, boots, belts, wallets. Um, and the craftsmanship there is just incredible. So thank you to Grandstone Boots for always uh, being a part of anything that I seem to touch anyway. And then, of course, Fly Racing is, yeah, that's uh, you know where I've been, shoot, going on two decades now. Um, I've worked there for 10 years. I've been sponsored by them for much longer and just a great company, a great family of enthusiasts there. And uh, yeah, th- that's what I love about it is everyone there is into it. Like there, you can go there and walk into the cafeteria or the break room and talk about the race on the weekend. And 90% of the people standing around, you know what happened. Of course, they don't want to ask me about what I think, but that's fine. I-, I get it. That's a part of my role there. But it's cool that everyone knows what's up, right? They're all fans of moto and it's not like you're walking into Hewlett Packard and nobody knows anything. It's, uh, it's truly a bunch of enthusiasts that makes it, makes it really cool and a really cool company that is Western power sports. So as for the racing and thank you for listening to those sponsor reads, I know that's not what you're here for, but it is a, a really critical part of this podcast. And I appreciate all of your patience with that. But as for Paris, you know, I, I wrote in Racerhead on Friday, which racer X is, that's their main column of the week is Racerhead on Friday. It's the most read. It's the most important one. And I wrote in there that it's very easy to draw conclusions from these off-season races. And that can be a big mistake. But I think if you're not paying attention to the warning signs that these races can give you, that's also a big mistake. So there's a really fine balance there of, okay, we're going to go do this race. If it goes well, great. Let's use it as reinforcement. Let's continue down the same path we're doing. Let's gain some confidence from it. And let's get back to work when we get home because there's another six weeks to go before it's Anaheim one time. If it doesn't go very well, can we assess why? Can we figure out where the weaknesses may lie? Is it the motorcycle? Is it your sprint speed? Is it starts? Is it the bike settings like in the whoops? Or is it a combination of all those things? And being able to assess your weaknesses is a really, really important part of racing. And for it can be, you could apply that to anything, business, your relationship, anything, right? What is causing the problem? And if you can't self-assess, if you can't diagnose what's wrong, how could you ever expect to improve? And that's a, that's a skill you have to learn. It It's not just, you know, doesn't come easy. It's not like it's ingrained in you or instinctual. You have to really think about, okay, I just went through this race weekend. And trust me, I had this happen. I, at this particular race, and it used to be Bercy. Now it's Paris, same, same thing, different arena, but same race, same promoter, same everything. I remember going to, okay, let's, 
I'm going to insert myself into this, which I always, people yell at me for making everything about me. I'm not trying to, but I'm going to give you my own life experience from this specific situation. 2009, switched from Honda to Suzuki in the off season. And it was one of the best motorcycle switches I've ever made in my life. Immediately go to the Montreal Supercross in, it was October 1st of 2009. I go there. I'd had a horrific 2009 season contemplating retirement, just awful. And I go there on this new motorcycle that we hadn't really tested very much, but it was so much better. I went and won. And I was like that all this breathed all this life back into my career. And I went on to win the German Supercross championship that same year. But in between there, so we went to Montreal, October 1st, I win, huge weekend, just one of the best memories of my racing career. A few weeks later, we, I went, you know, I got an invite to go to, to Bercy, get paid good money to go race Bercy because of that Montreal success, right? They want names. And if you win a race like that, you know, if you, it's not hard to get invited because you have a popular name at the time, right? You're the flavor of the week. So go to Bercy and my suspension was really soft. Okay. And we had switched to works connection and their philosophy with, with suspension is they always want to be on the softer end of things. And it worked for me. I liked softer suspension too, but Ziggy, the, the owner of it, he always liked to be on the soft end and it worked really well at Montreal. I went, the track was rock hard and it gave me some plushness and added traction and just worked out. Well, you know, uh, fast forward to Bercy the track was really soft and really sticky, which adds load to the suspension. And soft suspension doesn't work well in those conditions because it it is soaked up. Like, I don't know how to specifically describe how it works, but when you have stickier dirt, the suspension rides lower in the stroke, which adds to the softness, right? It, it heightens that softness. So you need, you need to be able to go stiffer to counterbalance that. Well, I went all the way in, right? I was all the way stiff, like raised the sag, did all these things, and it was still way too soft. And the bursty whoops were pretty tough, just like they kind of are. They get really chewed up and nasty, just like they did this weekend. Well, I was struggling bad. And in our contract with Works Connection, we weren't allowed to open the suspension or make internal changes because they had proprietary equipment inside it. So I was screwed. Like I was calling... Forrest Butler, the team owner, I was calling Works Connection and they're just like, man, we don't, there's nothing really we can really do because we don't want anybody in France to open that stuff. We don't want to give away the, these pieces that they had developed. And so you're just going to have to tough it out, right? The good news is, is that I had start money and the results didn't necessarily matter, but it was such a brutal weekend for my confidence and I was embarrassed and the promoters were pissed. And I was like, man, I, I'm between a rock and a hard place here. I don't have a way out. And I remember talking to other riders and they're like, man, you're not having a good weekend. I'm like, dude, I cannot ride this bike the way it is right now. Like, it's, it's so soft. I can't get through the whoops. I'm going to crash my brains out in the rhythm sections because it's going so low in the stroke. Like I'm going to go over the bars. So it was really, really tough. But that experience that weekend it taught me that the bike needed a ton of work, right? And that's kind of where I'm, the point I'm trying to make is had I not gone to Bercy and sucked, I wouldn't have known how far off the bike settings were. And I would have gone back to Germany where I went and won the championship. I would not have been prepared because I would have went in with those same soft settings and really had a tough time. And it would have taken 
that would have been into December and I would have been so much further behind. So when I got off that terrible weekend in Paris, I went home and it was like, Hey, we tell me where I got to be. Tell me what I have to do. I need to test and get this motorcycle more set up for real supercross, like a real, like real whoops, real rhythm sections. And we, we really progressed. We got the bike much, much better for what I needed. That's what I think you can learn from weekends like this. And where I'm going with that is look at the KTMs, look at Marvin Muscan and look at Cooper Webb, especially Webb struggling this weekend. And I don't know what's going to happen tonight, right? The Sunday race, maybe he bounces back and they, he goes and wins. I don't think that's going to happen based on what I saw last night. I still think they're struggling with the motorcycle just like they did last year. You watch both of them in the whoops. They're not on the same pace that Tomac and Roxon are. They're just not. They're slower. You can see the bike hopping around. You can see they don't have confidence in the motorcycle in the whoops. And I'm not an engineer. I'm not a suspension technician. So I can't tell you why that is. But I can definitely tell you the facts, which are they are not as good in the whoops. And it's going to be a liability again in 2023 if they don't figure it out. So... This weekend's probably really frustrating so far. We'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday night. We'll, but I guarantee you, Saturday was frustrating for Webb. He's running around 4, 5, 6 all night. He's half a track behind Tomac and Roxon. He's battling with the likes of Cedric Zuberas, who not a shot at, at Subs. He's a good rider. But we're talking about a two-time AMA Supercross champion in Cooper Webb, right? They, that Those two should not be battling. And also, remember, that Webb just took off the entire outdoor season to get better at supercross, like get his fitness in line, get the bike worked out. Like this was all supposed to be addressed and corrected because he took the summer off and he doesn't look like he's fit yet. You know, I I know he's, they're still working on getting his weight down. That's a fact. So I'm, I'm a little surprised and it doesn't mean he's not going to be on point come January, February, March, April, May. I'm just saying right now, I expected him to show up at this race strong. Like I, I really did because otherwise, what's the point? Why did you take all that time off? What have you guys been doing? And maybe it was just maintenance and he rode and like, okay, now we're going to hunker down November, December and be ready for a one. Maybe that's the plan. It's just not what I necessarily expected. I thought Webb would be better this weekend and I'm not trying to be hypercritical of Cooper Webb. I'm really not. I just expected more and I know what he's capable of. I didn't think those guys would just gap him. Even like Brayton, right? Muscan passes him and and I don't want to say checks out, but passed him, was better than him. It's a little concerning. And this is a highly paid guy, one of the, you know, biggest personalities of the sport, two-time champ, commands the highest paychecks, uh, or at least in that tier, anyway. I'm sure Tomac makes more, but not not much. And he's not getting it done right now. And that doesn't mean Supercross 23 won't be a different story. I'm just saying for right now, that was a little bit disheartening for Cooper Webb fans. So we'll see. Now to bring it back to the point I was trying to make, this can be a learning experience. And if he doesn't have a fire lit under him after last night, going into this off season, you know, the rest of this boot camp, I don't know what will do it because that's not, that's not what he's paid to do. That's not the expectation that is set for Cooper Webb. So I would bet you 
that they are diagnosing hard right now, right? They're like, okay, the bike is still a problem. Why aren't we getting the starts? Why are we still struggling in the whoops? Is my, why isn't my sprint speed good enough? We're way off in time qualifying in Super Bowl. Like what is going on and why? And we're going to need to address those things and address them very, very quickly. So this is that opportunity. This is why I think it's a good, a good, um, a good reason trying to think of a better word. My vocabulary is lacking a good reason to go to these races. Now the downside risk of course is injury always. Right. And you're also, you have to factor in jet lag and travel and you're missing days. And that, that continuity of a training program gets derailed. I get all that, but it is sure sure as nice to make 50, 75, hundred grand on the weekend like that, that helps (laughs) offset that a little bit and make no mistake. That's what those top guys are getting. So there's give and take there, but if you're going to derail your training program a little bit, at least learn something and at least take something away so you can go be better in January. Because I think that's what they have to look at the silver lining of this and go, man, it's better to know this now and let's get to work than it would be to show up at Anaheim and be like, oh crap, we're nowhere close. You know, that's what you want to avoid is you don't want to go through this brutal off season, all this testing, all this training and show up at a one and be like, man, we are so far off where we need to be because there's no time anymore. You've missed your window for improvement. Okay. Sure. You can test, you can make the bike better, but like if you're too slow, if you didn't get your sprint speed where it needs to be, you didn't get your fitness where it needs to be. You've you're, it's too late. I'm sorry. Like you can't make big improvements like that week to week, it's going to take time. So let this be that wake up call. If you are Cooper Webb or your Marvin or whoever, if things aren't going well at these off season races, you have time to do something about it now. So you better get real serious. And I'm sure that a guy like Alden Baker is sitting at home watching this going, man, we are, it's, we're, it's go time, right? It is, we are going to get real serious when you get home and I'm going to make you watch this race. If you need motivation or you need a reason to get fired up for, you know, how we're going to attack this training. Let's watch this race a few times because there's a big difference between going through the motions and putting the laps in. And I've been there. I've done this, right? I I know what I'm trying to not put myself into this, but I've gone through the motions of a training in an off season and not had my heart in it. And I've also done it with giving all of myself. And there's a big difference in the results. If you're pushing every single day to the limit, your body responds to that. And you're going to be that much better when it's time to perform in January than it is if you're just dragging ass and you are not really giving it your all. You're just, you know, you're holding something back all the time and you're distracted and you're thinking about other things and you wish you weren't there. Trust me, that's going to show up in January and February too. So I don't know what's been going on. I don't know if Webb's, where Webb's head is at, but I can tell you if it's not all in after this, then there's no hope. So I don't want all that to come off as negative towards Webb because I actually really like Cooper Webb. I I think he's a really great personality in the sport. He plays the villain really well at times, and he's actually a really nice guy, but I'm just trying to be objective towards what I'm watching. That's it. So I, I don't want if you're a Cooper Webb fan, you're listening to this and you're like mad, don't be because I'm rooting for Webb. I I really, I tried my heart out to sign him to fly racing a year ago and it didn't work out. So there's definitely no 
uh, negativity from me. I'm, I'm all in on it. I'm just trying to sit, tell you what I'm seeing and why from 40 years of being around this sport. The other guys I thought were pretty good. Marvin was kind of in that same boat as well, but like Roxon, Tomac, Brayton, they all perform really well. Like they perform to expectation at minimum and good for them. Like they're, they look like they're on point. Tomac is just continuing the role that he's been on more winning, right? Like doesn't seem like he's missed a beat. He has so much momentum on his side right now. You know, the 2023 doesn't look like it's going to be a problem and it's just, the ball keeps on bouncing for Tomac. So he's going to be a really difficult train to, to derail. You know, I think there are guys that can. I think Jason Anderson is going to be great. I think Adam Cincerillo is going to be great. But Tomac looks like he is ready to continue. Of course, Chase Sexton is on a whole new level than we've ever seen him, you know, in 2022. And that will continue in 2023. But Roxon look good too. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty around Roxon. He's going to test the 20, the twisted T Suzuki soon to see if that's a potential landing spot for him. He's on the firepower Honda right now, which looks like it's a potential landing spot too. There's a lot of indecision about where he's going to go. Who's going to sign him? Who has money? Which OEM is going to support him? Is he going to continue on with all of his current sponsors? Like there's so much for him to sort out in the next, let's say seven weeks. And I think it's got to be done in the next week or two, to be honest. I don't think he has more time than that because think about all the testing. If he does switch sponsors, all the things that have to be done on that end, on the back end of everything, he's just running out of time. And I promise you that every sponsor, every prospective sponsor or current sponsor is like, hey man, we're on the clock. We do not have any more time. And it's going to get to a point where like, we want you, yes, but we can't fulfill our end of the obligation past this date. So it's yes or no. Because we're not going to look bad. And I'm speaking for sponsors as a collective whole. We're not going to look bad because you you waited too long and now it's too late for us to get things prepared. So he's going to have to make a decision, in my opinion, before Thanksgiving. There's no way it can drag on past Thanksgiving. I would say sometime this coming week is, is a very likely scenario. He'll test the Suzuki. He'll make some hard decisions. And he will pr- then start preparing for 2023. That's my prediction. Uh, but all those guys look look strong. They look right on pace. Um, it's right where you'd want to be. Their fitness look good. Starts look good. Speed look good. Um, so yeah, you can take away from those things. But again, there's a there's a balance there. You don't want to overthink these races too. Like I, I think Webb, there's a little bit. There should be a little bit of panic there if there's not. He's not taking this race seriously enough, but you also just want to absorb the race, take away things you can learn from it, and then continue on. Like if you're Tomac, great, awesome, made a ton of money, good weekend, let's let's just keep on going, let's do what we do. Um, but if things don't go well, you really have to try to learn from these races. Uh, outside of this race, it's pretty quiet out there. Uh, Jet and Hunter Lawrence were originally supposed to go to this race, and they pulled out for... I don't really know why. Um, I think that their sponsors and management wanted them to not race and not take a chance on being injured. That's that's my opinion. I don't know that as fact. But I know they were originally scheduled to be at this race. So something went on there and they decided to not uh, not participate, which is a bummer. I'm sure a lot of fans wanted to see Jet Lawrence. I mean, I have to imagine Ken Roxon is a pretty great alternative to that right no one's ever 
no one's ever said, damn it, we only get Roxon. You know, that's, that's not a thing. So um, I would have liked to see Jet Race, see how he performed. But I'm guessing that they didn't want him on a 450 in Supercross yet. That, if you wanted my guess as to why Jet Lawrence didn't race, that would be it, is he would want to ride a 450, and they probably didn't want him on a 450 against Tomac yet because he hasn't tested it, he's not prepared, and what if he hurt himself because he's not ready? That would be really stupid to jump on a 450 out of your comfort zone. You're not even racing a 450 in 23, in Supercross anyway. So I can kind of understand that part of it too. Now, if they're going to let him ride SX2 against the likes of Chris Bloss and those guys, and they were still going to pay him that huge paycheck that I'm sure he was commanding, which my guess would be 75K, something like that. That's fair. I think, I think they would be, I think his management would be up for that. And I think Jet would be up for that, but I don't believe that was the case. I think if they're going to pay him that big number, they want him on a 450 for the show. They want Jet Lawrence versus Tomac. That's what they would be paying for, and that's what they're going to sell tickets and MXGP TV um, viewership numbers based off of. And, and when you can't get that, it's not worth it for anybody past that point. So that's just kind of how I saw that going. Um, but everything else is pretty quiet, honestly. Everybody is in the midst of boot camp mode. I, I've talked to a few riders out there, and they're just their heads are down. You know, they're at the cliche, they're just grinding, but really that's what it is, man. It's just day after day after day of doing the same thing over and over and over. Wake up, stretching, some gym session, to the track all day, then on your bicycle for a couple hours. You know, it's just over and over. It's, it's like Groundhog's Day. You do the same thing. But the results are you turn into this motocross, supercross machine. You just do. Um, that's, that's the process. And when you come out on the other side, you are fit. You've lost a ton of weight. Your body is just a programmed computer to show up and be really good on Saturdays. And that's that's the goal, is you are trying to train your body that when it's time to be on, like you flip a switch and be on, your body knows what to do because you've done, you've done it day after day after day. And race day will be the easiest day of the week. To ride two practices and then a heat race and then a main event compared to what you've just put your body through is nothing. Like it's, it's really, really easy. Like you, after the race, you're not even tired. Well, your heart rate's tired after the main event, but like physically you're fine. Like you wake up Sunday and you're not even sore. Um, and that's, that's why all this work is being done right now. So that's it for this week. Just wanted to do a little update on kind of what I saw and what, um, I wish I, they had done just a one night race so I could cover the entire racing, but I'm sure I'll do another podcast. And if there are serious developments, maybe I'll do a little update to this, um, on the Sunday racing, but Thank you again to all my sponsors, Pirelli, uh, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Works Connection, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them. And uh, I can't even believe it. I forgot ProGlow Wash. How could I forget ProGlow Wash? That's unbelievable. So thank you to Ryan Humphrey and the team at ProGlow Wash. Um, Power Sports specific, great company, great crew over there. So check those guys out. I apologize for not inserting them at the beginning. I don't know how I did that, but, uh, thank you to, uh, pro go wash and pro action fluids. They're a great team. I got to actually spend some time with Ryan on the phone this week and they are going to be available on Amazon soon. They're working with Walmart now. So big things are happening in the, uh, the pro go wash, uh, sphere. I don't know if that's a word or the right application, but things are really taking off. So if you've not tried pro go wash, check that out. 
So that's it for this week. Um, I would ask if you guys send in questions. That really helps me. I do a Patreon podcast, which I answered some questions that they submitted. But I want to do a podcast this week with question-specific stuff. So if you have a question, uh, email them to me, jason36 at aol.com. You can also DM them to me on uh, Instagram, jason66thomas. That's an easy way too. But I like to take this off-season time to address burning questions you maybe had. Maybe they're time-sensitive of what's going on with Roxon or whatever. Um, but yeah, it gives me some content, gives you some entertainment and, uh, yeah, helps fill this off season. So we'll talk to you soon. And thanks again for listening.